Lord, I'm thinking of John 2, where it says that many, many came to believe in you in that place. But you, at that point, were not entrusting yourself to any of them because you knew what was in a man. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that nothing can change that. Thank you for that, God. Lord, we want to also be trusted by you. And God, we are asking if there has been any area of abuse, especially in the charismatic church, it's been around the charisma, around the prophetic. Lord, tonight's not going to be about bashing the charismatic movement or anything like that. We just acknowledge there's been a lot of pain at the hands of our movement. Some of that pain is right in this room right now. God, would you forgive us? Would you wash us? Would you cleanse us? Lord, when maybe we have been too quick to say God is, God is saying this or God is saying that, would you forgive us, God? Lord, we want the real thing. We want the real gifts of the Spirit. We want the glory of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord. We just want more, more of you and less of us, frankly. We believe this is the answer for this generation, is more of you. And Lord, we be, I just believe you're looking for people, but you're also looking for churches that you can trust with your power. So Lord, we are asking that you would be here tonight. You would speak to us tonight. Stir us up tonight afresh to seek your face and to seek your hand. You said earnestly, desire spiritual gifts. You said that because you, you, these gifts are for people. They, they need the tangible manifestation of your love in this world, which is your, your power, your gifts. And you said, earnestly desire them. Seek the greater gifts so that my hands can be free to pour them out. And Lord, you in our midst changes everything. So we welcome you here tonight. Lord, there are some, some have very specific questions they've come. Some have had prophetic experiences that have confused them. And they're here tonight. They want to just figure, what is this? And what do I do with it? And so God, we are all just taking a deep breath. We've called it, let's talk about the prophetic. Lord, this is not going to be a preaching sermon. This is going to be just more of a talk together. We're going to talk about stuff together. We just invite you to be in this time. Do whatever you want to do, God. For your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All of the notes um, for tonight and 
some people are note takers and some people aren't, but even if you are a note taker and you feel like you're missing something, these notes will all be online this week. And so the talk will be on there. You can, you can download it online, but the notes will also be there. So you just be able to click on it and print it out at home so you don't feel like you, uh, you're, you're missing anything. All right, if you have a Bible with you, uh, Acts chapter 2. Actually, this thing might be working too. Oh, yeah. Is that, thanks, bro. Thanks for helping us. It's awesome. Seventeen and eighteen, Acts chapter two, seventeen and eighteen. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour, pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. God says, here is the plan for the end times. And of course, the end time started right there in Acts chapter 2. This is the the last era. No one knew at that time that it was going to last 2,000 years. But it it talks in Scripture about about the former reigns and about the latter reigns. And there was a tremendous outpouring in Acts chapter 2. Starting in about 1900, God started... A lot of the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of the things of the Holy Spirit were, were kind of lost over time. And in, in the ni- early 1900s, God started pouring His Spirit out again. And it has been increasing ever since that time. Before Jesus comes back, there is going to be an absolute gushing of the Holy Spirit. God is going to clean up His church and he is going to let the world know that he is alive before this thing is over. There, this is how the great harvest is going to come in, is through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Notice, sons, daughters, men, women on all flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit. We need to get out of our heads the idea that there are a special few that we kind of pay allegiance to because they're the ones that hear God. That is not the plan. The plan is you don't know where it's coming from or how it's going to be poured out, and you just, you, you got, when God pours out his spirit, he's going to come and he's going to come speaking, and he's going to become, come doing things that there's not going to be a lot of explanation that you're going to be able to understand what, why would God use that person? And why would God speak through that person? And, and what does this mean? Sometimes there will be information poured out with no interpretation of, of what that is. And you and I need to be on board with God. We need to be ready for this. We need to be ready for it in our own life. We need to be ready for it in the people around us. I, I think of as a means of evangelism. <laughs> this morning... We're reading about Pharaoh gets a dream. The head of the country gets a dream. He can't interpret it. 
He, none of, nobody in his court can. They remember Joseph. There's somebody connected to God. They sent for Joseph, and he says, we, we, they told me that you could interpret my dream. And Joseph said, no, I can't. But there's a God in heaven, and he will tell you the answer. Don't you love the, the humility and confidence of Joseph? And God basically saves the world through Joseph, through this dream. I think of Nebuchadnezzar getting dreams. He was so powerful, and he was in control, and he was a bully. And then he got dreams, and he couldn't understand them. And they sent for Daniel. And God can change a culture. God has ways of changing things, and he's going to use the prophetic. He's going to use the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and he is not limited to pouring his Spirit out on Christians. He can pour it out anywhere he wants to. Who's going to tell him he can't? And people can have experiences that they don't even know what they are, and they're going to find somebody that knows what it is. And so that's why we want to... um, Talk about the prophetic. We want to be schooled in the prophetic. First, so let's start with uh, what do I mean by the prophetic? What do I mean by prophetic activity? Essentially, in a word, the prophetic is the nowness of God. It is God right now. This is the word of God is the eternalness of God. This is who God forever is, the unchanging God. This is the, this is the flagpole, the immovable flagpole of who God forever is. But what is flagpole without a flag? A flag is the present moving of the Holy Spirit. It is moving. It's, it's, it's wavy and it, it catches the wind. The nowness of God is God in our midst. God right now. What that nowness looks like um, can be an impression. It can be a prophetic word. It can be a vision. It can be a dream. It can be a burning of your heart. It can be a healing. It can be a manifestation on your person of, of shaking or falling or, or God is in the midst and he is doing things. The nowness of God. When I say the prophetic, oftentimes people think of a prophet. There is a New Testament office of prophet. There are some people chosen by God, absolutely sovereign that had been set by God. They didn't choose it. They didn't seek it. They were set by God in the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. They have been set in the prophetic office. You can't seek to be a prophet. All you can do is, if you are one, acknowledge it and grow in it and grow in understanding for it. Okay, so, so there are ministries, every one of us has been given a ministry by the Holy Spirit. We have been set in the body and you don't get to change spots in the body. God made you a little finger, then here's what you can do. Be the best little finger that you can possibly be. Okay? And 
Please don't be discouraged by that. There's actually a lot of freedom in that. You, you, we need each other. We need each other. Other people are set in the body differently. And together, we reveal the fullness of Christ's beauty and of Christ's ministry. However, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit are dynamic. Whereas, it says in 12.18, these, the, the ministries he has set, there, there's, no, there's no change on them, you just figure out what they are. The nine supernatural gifts are dynamic. These move as the Spirit wills. They are present, they are dynamic, and they have not been set. They are, you can seek after them. Paul says to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Seek after the greater gifts. Especially, he says, that you might prophesy. Everybody can be prophetic. Everybody can be more prophetic than they are. Whether you're a little finger or you're a big toe or you're, a, you're the person that does this or that and, and you're not a prophet, but you can be prophetic. And God wants all of us to become more and more aware of his, of his nowness. And even as we do honor offices, we, we don't re- reduce the prophetic to people that are in that office. Okay, why we need the prophetic. Why would Paul say, pursue love and earnestly Desire the prophetic. I want to just give you four reasons to earnestly desire the prophetic in your life, in your church, in your family. First, for confidence in our callings. Acts 13.2. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. God had already spoken to Barnabas and Saul. He had already called them to a work. They knew it. They knew there was a change coming. There was a ministry coming. They had, they had seen it. But it was in this ministry, as they were worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit confirmed that calling by the leadership and said, set them apart. It's time. Send them. When we were in uh, Faustin, we got, we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that church and it, it caused all kinds of troubles and problems and I am Mr. We, this is the only church we'll be at until Jesus comes back. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm never looking to go somewhere else. This is what we're going to do and um, this, we'll, we'll press through this and turn it around and we were at National Convention and God just spoke. He said, I'm, I'm going to take you somewhere else. Your time is almost done here, and I'm going to take you somewhere else. I did, we didn't, Alice and I agreed this is what the Lord is saying. We didn't have a plan. We weren't sending out resumes. We weren't doing anything. And we just continued to faithfully minister. And uh, Shane was my youth pastor at that time, Shane Holden. And so we, we would pray together all the time. And we prayed, and he... Uh, he said, I've, I've got a vision for you. He said, I'm seeing you. You're taking a, a step 
you're just about to the top of a mountain and you, are, you, you step to the top of the mountain and I see you looking off the mountain. And he said, I believe that the Lord is saying direction is coming very soon. And, uh, and that week we got a call from Montevideo, the church in Montevideo, and it was a hilarious story because they had never even uh, met me I'm not even going to tell you the whole way they found me and found my name and everything else, but they, uh, they wanted us to come down there and candidate. And we went down there, and um, after we were confirmed to go there, I found out what Montevideo means, Spanish. It means to see from the mountain. That, that God had not just given us the directions coming. He actually gave us the direction in that prophetic word. Now, I'm just going to tell you, my confidence going down there that God had sent us there was through the roof. Confidence is everything for ministry. Confidence is everything, especially if you go through a hard time somewhere. You go back to how you got there. God, did you really send me there? And so oftentimes the Lord will use prophetic to confirm the direction that he has, is calling you to. First Corinthians 14.3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. We, uh, we took the Mad City staff down to Kansas City. I was very into revival. The guys on staff were not quite as into it, and they're just like, help us. Help us to even figure out what this is. So we go down to Kansas City together, and we're going. We signed up for the prophecy rooms. (laughs) I'm just like, dear God, let them get good prophecies. (laughs) Please, God. Please, God. And so we all got prophesied over, and it was absolutely amazing and on and our way back we're telling what God spoke over us and that we had recordings of it and stuff and but I remember Dave Bechtold basically God just said this is who I have made you to be I have made you to be fun and it's okay that you're not the biggest student and that you're not into this and that I have made you funny and to bring joy to the body of Christ. And, and it's okay that that's what you do. And he was so excited <laughs> because God knew him and God knew this is who he is. And the confidence of being without apology who God made you to be and just letting that flow. It is okay to be me. God knows who I am. Why we need the prophetic. First, for confidence. Secondly, things are often not as they appear. God speaks to Samuel. Samuel has gone to the house of Jesse, and he looks at the, Jesse's son Eliab, and he's, he's like, clearly this is the Lord's anointed. And God says, don't, don't look at the outward appearance. I don't look at the outward appearance of things. I look at the heart. 
Things oftentimes are not as they appear. Luke 16, 15, that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. God sees different than we do. We, uh, we had a, a speaker in Montevideo. We were or in Boston. We were in the middle of revival and people angry and groups meeting and it was, it was just bad. And I am the pastor. Pastors hate problems. They hate turmoil. And so I am just trying to bring the groups together. I'm trying to, to go out and just let's try not to be hasty. And we're not saying that everything that happens is God. We're saying that God can be doing things and there can be fleshly responses and we need, to, we need to learn about it. So I invite this speaker to come. And he is in the river of the revival and I say, bro, I said, I, I, he's a friend of mine and I, I said, I need you to speak about the pinnacles and the pitfalls of revival. I'm, I'm bringing you to make this a safe place. I want... I want Our people need to know that we acknowledge that there is a downside and that people can go the wrong way and all this. And so I want you to come and bring balance, kind of just bring the the community together. So he comes in. I've I've already given the title. is, is going to be Pinnacles and Pitfalls of Revival. So he comes in. It's like I never talked to him. He comes in, and all he's talking about is the glory. And the river, and the the power, and that you need to get into the river, and you need to get into the power, and he is everything he is saying is so one sided on this thing. He can he can see nothing bad about this thing. It's just go 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 go, and I am getting more and more upset. But it gets way worse. First he goes like an, he goes over an hour just in his speaking time. And then he goes into his ministry time and he says, uh, he says, if you want to get into the river, you need to get out of your seat right now and come forward. And a few people get, get up and come forward. And he said, he said, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, why can't, if God is God, why can't he touch me right where I am? Why isn't it okay for me to just stay where I am? And here's what he said. He said, here's why. Because God says the only reason you won't come up here is because of your own pride. You need to get out of your seat and you need to come up here. And I am beyond myself in anger. I, am ab- I can't even. We go home that night. He's staying at my house. I can't even talk to him. I am so upset. He has, I, I had gone out to bring all these people that were upset and say, you, you need to come to this meeting. You need to, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring us together and da, da, da. And I was so angry at this guy. So I, but I don't talk to him about it. I'm just like, I'm, I'm mad and I, I don't know what I'm, so I, I couldn't sleep that night. Tossing and turning and wrestling. And finally I get to bed about three in the morning and I have a dream. And in this dream, I am in a bar. It's on this bar stool, if you know my history with McDonald's. But anyway, <laughs> and I sit on this bar stool and I order a Big Mac. And the thing freezes and a voice speaks over the top and just says, things are not as they appear. And I wake up. <laughs> 
And I knew a number of things. I don't know how I knew it. I just knew it all at once. I knew that that man had spoken exactly what God wanted him to speak. That God was confronting pride. Sometimes we don't, oftentimes we don't see this side of God. He is a warrior. He is not afraid to get in people's faces and call things what they are. And I, I knew that he had done exactly what God wanted him to do and that I needed to just let it go and just, just let it go. Oftentimes things are not as they appear. And the, and the prophetic, it shows us God's perspective, not just man's. Just because man is congratulating himself does not mean God's happy. And just because everybody's angry doesn't mean God isn't moving and doing something. Why we need the prophetic. People get stuck. In Faustin, we had these frost plugs where you, you plug your, your car in. It gets so cold in the winter that you, when you get in the parking lot, you, they've got outlets all over the place and you literally have extension cords and you plug your car in so that it will start. And if you forget, um, you come out and turn it and nothing's happening and so you've got to find somebody to get a jump. When it's cold in Faustin um, and your car won't start, you don't think, oh my, the car's broken. I need a new car. Oh boy, I need a new car. It's over. No, you don't think that. You know exactly what it is. I need to find somebody else. I need to get a jump. Everything is in good working order. It's not time to freak out. It's not time to buy a new car. I just need a jump. And once you get that jump and you get that alternating going, everything is working, everything is good. And that's how Christians often are. It's not that it's a disaster. It's not the end of the world. It's not, I feel so backslidden. I'm so far from God and I'm so this and I'm so that. You probably just need a jump. The prophetic ministry is like taking jumper cables and just taking it from from the Holy Spirit in one heart, putting it on another, and God just going, boom. And there's, it's the kiss of God. It wakes you back up. And it's just like, oh my, this is what I signed up for. I forgot about this. It's like that first love thing. It's just like, oh yeah, I love Jesus. He loves me. The Holy Spirit is here. It all comes back. It all comes back very quickly. And but if you've been away for a while, if you've been away from that nowness of God and you've just been maybe just in study and the intellectual part of it and the, and the duties and the disciplines, you can lose track of God is alive. And the prophetic brings it all back very quickly. We were, I told you this morning that I was in Fond du Lac. Alice and I went down to Fond du Lac for that time and I, we spoke on Martha and Mary and the worship team came back up. It was so precious. Uh, we were over time, and I had the worship team come up. I dismissed the service. I said, but I'm going to just be up here if you would like prayer. And the worship team started playing. Not a, no one moved in the church. And one by one, they came. These people didn't know me from Adam. They'd never seen me before. 
one by one they came up. Told me what was going on. What, what, sometimes they didn't tell me what was going on. They just said, I just need, I need prayer. And it was the, the most beautiful thing in the world. To just lay hands on people, speak what God was saying, Tears start flowing. Some, some of them fell over. <laughs> they had no, they pr- were providing no catchers, so I would just have to. It was very awkward. Um, they, the Holy Spirit would just come out, and I knew what the Holy Spirit was doing. He's just waking them back up, kissing them again with his presence and his goodness and his word. There's something about the nowness of God that it, it unsticks us. In, uh, I've talked several times from the pulpit about the book the final quest and there are all of these people coming to the mountain the mountain is the mountain of salvation and all of the truths and there's there's all these people that are close to the mountain they're trying to get to the mountain but they can't get there and Rick Joyner cannot figure out why they can't get to the mountain and then uh, the eagles go and the eagles we find out represent the prophetic ministry And wisdom says to him, these eagles eat snakes. And the eagles go down, and it turns out that around the feet of all these people that are trying to get them out and they can't get there are these snakes, and they've got shame written on them. And shame is keeping people away from God. Keep, it, it paralyzes people. It keep, it's got people stuck. They don't feel like they can come to God. And the prophetic ministry, it, it eats away the shame. God speaks to people that he loves them. He speaks his, his purpose and the beauty that is in people. We are oftentimes buried treasure. Buried treasure is under a bunch of dirt, isn't it? To get to buried treasure, you've got to get through a bunch of dirt. The prophetic's not about the dirt. Sometimes it has to talk about the dirt so that you can get rid of the dirt. But it's not about the dirt. It's about the treasure. There's a treasure that God has placed in every human being. And sometimes people get stuck in shame. And an encounter with the prophetic unsticks them. And then finally, why, why we need the prophetic. People, people need more than doctrine and disciplines. They need an encounter with God. They need the surprise of God. The number one problem with the church in America is not immorality. It's not addiction. Number one problem in the church nationwide is boredom. Church, boring. When you are bored with God, you have to get your excitement, your fascination somewhere else. Do you see that, that that's, what lead, that's the beginning of all kinds of sin and addiction and, and craziness that goes on. People that have lost their fascination with God, any delight in God, any sense of God among us, then there's just something in us that needs to be engaged and fascinated. And so if we're not getting it in church, then we're going to go find it somewhere else. And so God wants to grab a hold of human hearts. 
And the prophetic is amazing this way. One of my favorite stories is told by Jack Deere. He, uh, he had come over. He was a Dallas theological uh, professor, and he came into the, the nowness of God, and the, the God, oh my, God is alive. He had been teaching for years that the Holy Spirit didn't move that way anymore, that that was only for the book of Acts, and now we had the Bible, so we didn't need God's power, and, and he, he got his world rocked. And, and so John Wimber brought him out to Anaheim and, and brought him on staff, and and so the youth group was having him one night, and he decides to take one of the prophetic guys with him. And he's, of course, Mr. Bible Professor. And so the night was called Difficult Questions, and the whole youth group, there's 300 youth in front of him, they can ask him any question that they want to about the Bible. And so there's a question here, and there's a question there, and there's a question there, and a question there. And he said it was, it was just a very, very dead, boring meeting that he could see the kids were just, he was losing the kids. But he's done his best, and, you know, at meetings, are, they are what they are, and they're just about to close, and he turns to the, pro, the prophet guy that he brought with him. He said, do you got, you got anything? And the prophet says, uh, he says, I, not, not much. He said, Except I do have something for this young lady over here. Young lady, would you stand up? 10-year-old, 12-year-old girl. And he says, the Lord showed me a picture. You were kneeling by your bed. And you were asking God, do you love me? And the Lord wants you to know that he does. This girl is just weeping because it happened a few nights earlier. She had been asking God. And the Holy Spirit came into that meeting and all of a sudden, that which was just kind of trivial and had, all of a sudden, God was in the midst. This is, this is the power of encounter. This is the, this is the glory of God among us right now. We need the prophetic. Sometimes churches try to move away from the prophetic because of non-Christians. We we don't want non-Christians to be freaked out. (laughs) You want to know the truth? The only reason a non-Christian comes to church is they're hoping there's something real. There's ho- they're hoping that there is something beyond what they've experienced in the world. They are not coming to church because of good music and a, a good speech. They're hoping God is alive. And Paul says when the genuine prophetic is among you, that the non-Christian in your midst, this is in 1 Corinthians 14, will have his heart opened up and he will declare why don't I just read the scripture instead of botching it like I'm currently doing he says the secrets of his heart are disclosed and so he will fall on his face and worship God declaring that God 
is certainly among you. We have had that happen so many times where I will have people come up to me that came from the outside and they will come up in tears and say, how on earth did you know what I was going through? And, and the Holy Spirit was encountering them right now. All right, let's move on to section three before we take our break. The prophetic must be examined. The prophetic is art, not science. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. This morning I called it sanctified doubt. Paul says we got a number of options here. One is you not judging or examining or feeling any freedom to examine. He says you will eventually despise prophecy. You'll, you'll get sick of people saying, God told me this, God told me that. Well, this person said to do this, and that person said to do this, and they're not the same. And, and this has happened in the body of Christ. They just put their hands over their ears and say, no prophecy. We can't have it anymore. We, we despise it. We're just going to go with this. This is safe. We're not, we don't, we're not open to that anymore. And before you get all upset with them, recognize that a lot of times it was, it's, it's a response to a wound from so-called prophecy. <clears throat> Paul says the answer is uh, not no prophecy. The answer is to examine it. And to examine it, not as a cynic that is like, God doesn't speak today. I don't think God speaks today. I don't believe God speaks. He says, no. Examine it as one that does believe God speaks. Examine it as one that is looking for God and cling to that which is good. And I am, I am sorry about this, but in the Old Testament, prophecy was pure. You got stoned if it wasn't pure. You, didn't, you got stoned if it wasn't exactly right. Prophecy did not come through the heart. It came from the outside. God would audibly speak to prophets, and they would say, yes, Lord, and they would give those words. In the New Testament, prophecy comes like a river out of our innermost being. The Holy Spirit speaks through us as vessels. And because of that, you have to examine it. And you... You, you don't have to feel like everything that comes out of his mouth or that prophetic word was exactly what God is saying. You can kind of get the gist of what God is saying and cling to what is good. It's called hamburger helper. <laughs> there's hamburger, the meat, and then sometimes there's a little other stuff added to it. And of course... What we want is as little hamburger helper as possible. We want as much hamburger as possible, and that's why we're having this night. How do we get as much hamburger as possible? <laughs> Examining prophecy. Um, I'm going to give you four false equations. First one is good person 
If it's a good person, that must mean it's a good prophecy. Not true. Can be the greatest person, most mature, sincere person. It can actually be the most gifted person, and you still have to judge it, and you still have to cling to only what is good in it. Uh, Here's equation two. Young Christian equals false prophecy. Um, Watch out, because sometimes God will give very clear prophetic words to Christians that barely even know what the Bible is. They're just brand new in this thing, and God likes to use the weak. He likes to use people. If you think God can't use that person, that just kind of, God's like, I'm going to use that person. Does that bother you that I use him? I think I'll use him. <laughs> well, I know, I know that person is still struggling. They're, they're a recovering alcoholic and they're still struggling. God's like, that bugs you, doesn't it? Huh. I think I'll give the word to them. Here's, a, here's one. Mature Christian must mean they have a lot of spiritual gifts. That's absolutely not, not the case. They might have a, be a very mature Christian and have lots of fruit in their life and be a real vessel for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But these are, these are gifts. These aren't rewards for good behavior. You get these gifts because you ask for them. You get them because you pursue them. You get them because you believe God for them. And then finally, false equation, lots of gifts means they must be really mature and their doctrine must be right. Now, this has been a disaster through church history. Oftentimes, people are called to be a prophet and they will have these amazing prophetic experiences, but what they really want to do is teach. But they're not gifted to be a teacher. And all kinds of false things come into the body of Christ because they use the influence as a prophet to now teach this stuff that is completely erroneous and it gets little sects and little cults and, and little movements, and you, you just have an absolute mess. So those are the four false equations. All right, let me give you four filters for the prophetic experience. This, is, this can be your own prophetic experience, or somebody had an experience, and they're coming to you, and they want to know. How do you judge, how do you examine a prophecy so that you can cling to what is good? All right, first, the word of God. Does this word line up with the Bible? Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your remembrance the things that I have said. Now, so one way to grow in the prophetic is just get into this book more. Because the more you've got in, the more Jesus can bring back to your remembrance. I don't know how he can bring something to your remembrance if you didn't know what to start with. The Holy Spirit will honor the word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, Let no one think more highly of himself than he ought to think. (laughs) Sometimes... In prophecy circles, people are saying crazy things to puff you up about how great you're going to be, 
You're going to travel all over the world and you're going you're to be this person and you're going to be that person and you're going to be that person. Really? Really? Is that what God's saying to me? And then other people, it says in Revelation 12.10 that Satan is an accuser, that he accuses the brethren. And some people's prophecy, it really just sounds like an accusation. It's, it sounds like something the devil would tell you. We, we need to judge it. We need to judge the words that come by the word of God. Um, Paul said this. This is uh, Galatians chapter one. He says, if I or an angel from heaven preach to you, You know, the, I, didn't, I didn't ask for it. Yeah, I do find you attractive, and I uh, have fantasized about you, but, uh, you know, this, but now God has told me. God has told me clearly that we are, we are supposed to be together. Does, do, we, do we all see why that's really dangerous? And why, if you already have an opinion about something, that it's probably better not to think that it's prophecy when God's telling you to have your way? Um. Whenever, whenever a ministry has got a word for you to join their ministry or give to their ministry or do something with their ministry, and that's just illegal. That, that's creepy. Amen. If they want you with their ministry, then they can just say, well, I want you. Don't put God's name on it. Just say, I've got a desire, and this is what I want. I want you to pray about it. That's, that's, that's legal. But don't. When you want something, it is so tempting in Christian circles to add, God told me, to just try to get your way. This can happen to anybody. I mean, Peter said, Lord, you will. Jesus had just told Peter that he was the rock and that I'm giving you the keys of heaven. And it's three verses later. Jesus says, I'm going to die on the cross. And Peter says, you will never die. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the interests of man rather than the interests of God. We need to be very, very careful before we put God's name on something because it could just be our interests, not God's. You know, there's, a, there's more than one way to take God's name in vain. One way would be to swear and use Jesus' name as a swear word. But another way is to say, Jesus told me, and Jesus told me, and Jesus is telling you, and Jesus is Jesus, 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 and it's not Jesus that's taking his name in vain. And we just want to have a little fear of the Lord with that. So those are four prophetic, four filters for the prophetic. When, when Brian White first came to the uh, John and I and gave the word about City Church, and we went back to our two boards, I remember going back to the Mad City board and gave them how Brian came and what the word was about City Church and there was just such a, a presence of God there and, and such a witness and we kind of thought it was God and then a few weeks later we got back together and the guys said, you know, the problem with this is you and Brian are friends and that Brian probably wanted this to happen anyway because he likes you, he likes this, he'd like to see that you... They just said, I, I just don't think we can act on this with just this. We, we would need other supernatural confirmation. And you know what my heart posture was? Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. Brian's a great guy. Brian is a proven prophet. But you're right. There is a relationship here, and there's, and it's 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 okay. It's okay. To, it was anybody casting a stone at Brian? No. We just want it to be God. It's just a person. I had a dream in Montevideo that there was a there was a split going on in our church that I had not known about. It was a very vivid dream, very real dream, and. I wake up in the middle of the night, I am sweating, and I am just like, God, oh, dear God, you are telling me that this is happening, and I haven't known about it, and, and I am, I'm praying, and I'm, I'm just, and then all of a sudden, I just stop. I'm like, no, no, this is creating suspicion in my heart towards our people. This is sowing anxiety in me about my ministry, This is making me despair. You little demon, I caught you in my bedroom giving me a dream. Get out of here in Jesus' name. And I went back to bed. We've got to be willing to examine our experiences. We had a precious lady come. uh, She came into my office and it happened to her on, on Sunday morning. Right when she just woke up, she had a very clear vision of our church. And she saw the men in the church were going, and as women were sitting down, they were pinching them in the butt. And there was a big ass on the floor that she saw underneath the pews that stood for Satan. And she was robed in white in this vision. And she was bringing a word of repentance to the body for this perversion and for the compromise. And she was bringing that word to me. And I'm like, okay. First, let me say this. I believe that what you had was supernatural. I do believe, I don't believe you dreamed that up. That's just, it was living color, full detail. But I want us to just, let's just look at this vision. Okay, it's bringing an accusation. It's creating suspicion. It's, you're the hero in this dream. You are dressed in white in this dream. Jesus isn't even in the dream. You alone have the truth and everybody else is wrong and you're calling the church. Does that cause you to question that maybe, maybe this wasn't the Holy Spirit? Maybe the enemy is actually giving you a, a, a vision and, and she left the church for seven years because of that little conversation. Great, great woman of God. Great heart. Absolutely an intercessor on the wall. What happens is we have an experience and then the enemy just touches a little pride in us. And all of a sudden, no one can judge our experience because God spoke to me. And it puts puts us in an impossible place. And I've had a couple couple dealings since I've been to Madison where 
people get prophecies and they get God speaking to them and I just sit down with them and I'm trying to take them through this. Now let's look at this. Let's look. Is this the type of thing Jesus would say? And in I'm not going to say in every case because I've known of some cases where people have been very teachable and they just want the real thing, but oftentimes they just leave the church because God spoke to them and we weren't willing to receive the word. We need to recognize finally under this examining prophecy, and then we'll take a little break, that there are three parts to prophecy. There is information which can be absolutely pure. God can absolutely speak something to you and he for sure spoke it. Then there's a second thing that also takes the Holy Spirit and that's the interpretation of that information. Do you know how oftentimes the disciples had information from Jesus and they had no idea what it meant? And they, made, they In fact, they usually thought it meant something it didn't mean. And why do we think we're any different? <laughs> so there's, there's information. Then there is the interpretation of that information, which takes a second moving of the Holy Spirit. And then there is the application of that interpretation. And a lot of times the application for a prophetic experience is to pray. It's not you standing up on Sunday morning. It's you praying. The prophetic is fuel for intercession. A lot of times with interpretation, the people in your dreams, oftentimes it's not about that person. It's actually about you. And you can see it clearer in somebody else. So God uses that person. What you have to ask yourself is, what does that person mean to me that was in my dream? Because oftentimes it is not about that other people. And people usually jump to conclusions and think it's about that person. And I need to call that person. You were in my dream last night. And I wonder what it means. And, and, and many times God is trying to speak something to us. So all three... All three are very important. All right, let's take a five-minute break, and then we're going to talk about uh, ministering prophetically. Guys, we're on the final lap. We're going to be done in 20 minutes here. Uh, We are on point four, ministering prophetically. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for your spirit here. Thank you. You are the only teacher, God. If we learn anything, it's going to be because you taught us. And so we just, we ask for your um, cleansing on our hearts and our minds. God, thank you for this brother that just came to me at break. He said, I'm free. I, years ago, I got a prophetic word, and it's trapped me ever since. And tonight, he was just able to just let go of it. It's just gone. It's, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom to examine that which has been spoken to us. So have your way here now, Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, how do you minister prophetically? At work, at college, at high school, at how do you get stuff for people that could change their life, that could, that could cut the shame off of them? How do, you, 
How do you speak prophetically to, to family members? How do you speak prophetically in church? If, if you're in a meeting, and how do, you, how do you get stuff from God? Well, number one is ask God for more. Earnestly desire. Ask him. We had an amazing time here last Thursday night. It was, it was the prophetic night. And we just had a very simple prayer to start with and say, God, we don't want to tell you what to do. We want to hear what you want to do. And we just ask that you would speak to very normal, broken people and make it real. It, it was very, there was no hype. We turned the lights up and then we had the whiteboard here and people started opening their mouths and speaking. And honestly, I don't know that we would have to delete one thing from that whole CD. It was so beautiful just this and that and this and that and I'm just like this this is it this is God speaking this is what it looks like and so pray for more more of God and less of you and then just believe this is this is how it works secondly relax and let God love on people John Wimber who had a tremendous ministry in, in personal prayer ministry and prophetic prayer ministry, they came to him and one guy was, you know, a disciple. And he said, what is the secret? Is, can, you, can you give me something that you do that unlocks this? How do, you, how do you get into this river? And John Wimber's thinking, what do I do? Hmm. And he's like, oh boy. You know what? There is something I do every single time. Every time before these big me, I do it every single time. He's like, what is it? I always have a Diet Coke. (laughs) 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 Now that's vintage John Wimber. He was the most relaxed guy. And what he said with ministry, if you want to minister in the Holy Spirit, he said, don't dial up, dial down. Relax. God loves people. God wants to touch people. God wants to manifest his presence to people. And so don't come in with, I've got to produce something. You don't have to produce anything. Just relax and let God do what only God can do. Um, Ministering prophetically. Use language that allows people space to examine. Instead of saying, God told me, say, I think God's saying. You don't even have to put God's name in. You could just say, I just really, I feel real strongly right now that this is, is true. Is that right? I, I, I ha- I'm having an impression that maybe this is what's, and, you, and well, Pastor Tom, that's diluting it. That's, that's weakening it. No, 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 it doesn't. If it's really God, God will confirm it on their side. It doesn't matter if you go in humble and gentle. If it is God, it will be a bullseye. And you don't have to make it more God by using the King James or by saying, this is what God is telling you. Just, it's, it's just, God, I think God might be saying this. And especially with, with non-Christians. Just, and it's okay to say, I could be wrong. But I think, I'm, I'm, actually, Brian White, whenever Brian White ministers, he will often say, before he gives the most powerful words, I'm just a man and this could be wrong. But here's what I think God's doing. 
and people start crying and it's exactly what they're going through. Just helping people, giving people room to examine the word and not trapping people. Be careful. People are very vulnerable. That's usually why they come to church. And sometimes people are desperate. They just, they want anything from God. And so they are set up to believe things. Crazy things. And they're coming to us. And I, I, I just, I, my heart gets won again and again and again for the body of Christ. It is such a privilege to minister up here and have people come and open their arms and their hearts and say, this is what's going on. And I'm just like, oh God, I see why you love these people so much. This is, they are so lovable. But you need to recognize this is a, when you are, it's like being inside of somebody's heart with surgery. This is, you could do a lot of damage here. You could do good or you could do bad. And we just, we need, we need to be careful. I was telling the prayer people earlier that I'm, I've, I've learned an acronym on wait. Wait. Why am I talking? That sometimes if we just waited a little instead of being so quick to what people need and what people should do and just, what if we just talked a little less and listened a little more and then talked I just think we'd have so much more. So that's my thing for this year. Wait, why am I talking? Here I am talking the whole time. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say I was good at it yet. I, I was, uh, we were praying for these, our missionaries were here. And I, <laughs> we were, we had this open time when we had all of the female missionaries in the middle and we were just, Brian was just leading worship, and you could just go and pray over anybody that you wanted to. And I go between these two dynamic women, prophetic people, and I put my hand on both of their shoulders, and I had a picture. And it was somebody with a hammer, hammering a nail. And... uh but it was interesting what, what I felt like the Lord was saying to them that, that they were both very prophetic and they had many times hit the, the nail with the hammer. But they had missed sometimes too and got somebody's thumb. And because of that, they had become a little gun shy of the prophetic because they didn't want anybody to be hurt. They love people. And the prophetic has got power to put that nail in, but it can also, if you just miss, you know how it is with a hammer. You just miss a little, and, and instead of putting the nail in, you are running around the house. Ah! And the Lord just said, keep prophesying. Just be careful. Just be careful. Keep prophesying. But be careful. Sometimes we want our prophetic word 
to be more impressive than it is. Sometimes it's just a scripture. Please just give them the scripture. This is why in Kansas City, the prophetic rooms, they just make rules. No dates, no mates, and no babies. You can, you can encourage people, you can give them scripture, but I don't want you giving them dates. I don't want you to tell them who they're going to marry, and I don't want you to tell them they're going to have a baby. And I'm not saying that God can't say any of those things, because he can. But not through the college students down Kansas City. <laughs> he can't, because it, it's illegal. Because there's something in us that wants it to be more awesome. And wants it to give a little more information so we're just a little higher up the the prophecy scale. And that's not what the prophetic is about. Have your identity in being the beloved, not in your ability to hear God. Church at Corinth was a mess, and it was all around identity. They were wearing their spiritual gifts, specifically tongues, like a badge. And look at me, I can speak in tongues. And they're just, they had caused so much confusion in the church. And Paul comes and he really, it's really, he's writing it to the leaders. He's rebuking the leaders. And he starts in 1 Corinthians 12 and he says, I don't want anybody to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And so 12 is about all the spiritual gifts and why we need them. Earnestly desire them. They they are awesome. Chapter 13 is the motive for spiritual gifts, which has to be love. He says, if you can have all kinds of gifts of miracles and moving mountains, and, and, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. Your tongues are a clanging cymbal and a sounding gong without love. And he said, love has to be the motive for the spiritual gifts. And then in chapter 14, he says to the pastors, start pastoring the spiritual gifts. You guys have let a mess happen. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The idea that the Holy Spirit was there, and so I just had to blurt out, no, that's not true. The subject, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Paul says they can go in order. They can go one, and then that one, and then that one. And you guys have let this thing get out of order. And the idea that pastoring is going to quench is absolutely not true. This needs to be pastored so that we can have more of the genuine. And we'll talk just a little about pastoring in a, in a moment. Be humble and be willing to be wrong. The way you save the credibility of the prophetic is by being willing to be wrong. And just say, I missed it. We had a, we had a group in the, in the 80s, very spiritual, powerful, little prophetic prayer group that was meeting. And I had some of my young disciples were in there. They were going to it. I encouraged them to. And then a prophecy came out that Russia was going to invade America on June 15th. And that they were commanded to warn everybody that Russia was going to, there was going to be an attack and we needed to, you know, whatever we needed to do. And, and this, was, this was the word of the Lord. And it was, okay, it, it was what it was. So I'm just, I'm, not, I'm trying to pastor this and 
I'm just waiting for June 15th to be done. Okay, let's get June 15th out of the way and then we'll, let's talk about it. And uh, so I, June 15th came and went. Russia didn't attack. But they weren't saying that the prophecy was wrong. And I, and I called the leader and I said, bro, you have to say this was wrong. Well, we think America, America repented. And the word was right. America repented. And that's why, like, please, you know what? Can't we just be wrong? Can't we just admit we're wrong? Now, this is encouraging. Um, there's a group of prophets, I mean high-level prophetic people, out east. And they were absolutely sure that Mitt Romney was going to win, that God, God had told them that Mitt Romney was going to win. And I was so encouraged when I went on one of, the, one of the guy's website and he just said, we were wrong and I am so sorry. And I say sorry to the whole body of Christ. And he gave how, what the prophetic information was, that there was actual prophetic information and how they ran with it. And then one gets talking to another. Anybody can be wrong, guys. God's name is not defamed because you're wrong. God's name is defamed when you won't admit you were wrong. And you try to make it sound like it wasn't that I miss God. It was it just, it's okay. You miss God. You're a human being. We can all miss God. We're the beloved. John, the revelator, the apostle. Do you know what his identity was in? He called himself the disciple Jesus loved. You want a safe, you want a safe identity? Here's who you are. You're the disciple Jesus loves. That's the greatest place, the greatest identity. Don't get it all hooked up in your ability to be spiritual or, or hear God. All right. Five places for the prophetic at City Church. Number one place, prayer meetings. I love, we have, we have an open time almost in every single prayer meeting. What are you hearing? Pray it out. What scripture is God giving you? Pray it out. Do you have a vision? Do you Pray. The prophetic fuels prayer. Ministry teams um, on Sunday mornings. We have ministry teams up front. We have ministry teams that pray in my office once a month. There's a whole group of people that set up prophetic times. Tons of gifts of the Spirit can happen in that environment. Home groups. Every home group, under the authority of those leaders, which are we call deacons, they can be little places of learning how to speak out of the prophetic. And then, of course, in the Sunday morning service, we have set up um, people that examine prophecies. And I, it, it, if you send for these notes, it's got the list of the prophetic people. We have somebody in back. Jennifer, is it one or two people each service? Is it two people? Two people that, that are sitting in back. And if you have something prophetic, you can go back there and tell them. We had it happen this morning. Somebody then came up, brought the word to me, and Sometimes I'll have that person give it. This morning, because we had already had somebody else coming, I just, I just read the prophetic word. What we don't give um, on a Sunday morning is a correctional or a directional word for the church. 
That does not mean that God does not give correction and direction. But if you get that kind of a word for us, and we've had several of them, what we want you to do is write them down and submit it to leadership. And if you have a correctional or a directional, I just want you to know the whole thing is not going to rest on your word. We will wait for that word to be confirmed. If I get a correctional word from you, God showed you this, and I'll be, okay, that could be God. But I'm not going to act on it. But if, if two days later I get it from another source, not one of your relatives, not one of your friends, not somebody in your prayer group, but somebody completely unrelated, and they've got the exact same correction, I'll tell you right now, I'm taking that to the elders. We're going to get before God, and then we're going to decide how to bring it to the whole church. I am not saying God can't bring correction prophetically, because he can. And he can bring direction too. But he, he, he is... So, okay. All right. Do we have any questions? We're coming right up on 8 o'clock or comments that you want to make. Kathy. Jennifer, where do those people sit? Right in that, right next to that table back there. That's the hot spot. Good. Rocco. A vision is when you're awake. A dream is when you're asleep. Oh my, that's such a great question. When you, you are receiving something, how do you know? Is this just for me? That, now we're back to interpretation. We've got information. God is saying this. You know it's probably... Oh, how can I say this? I think you just have to ask the Holy Spirit. And, and oftentimes, a, a leader... You know, if it's very real, here, here's, here's what I got. What, what, help me. Help me examine this. And uh, if it's a, some type of correction, usually it starts with us. And sometimes it's for us first, and that's the humility of it, but it's also for a wider group. And many times God will have people share that. Frankly, the whole church gets it, even if you just share it as God spoke this to me. Have you ever had that? They're, they're, they're telling their story and how God convicted them and everybody in the whole place is just convicted. It's like, that. I do that. I, I, are you kidding me? That's what you got convicted of? God forgive us all. So, yes. Yeah, um, this is, and this is why people despise prophecies because they don't know how to examine it. They don't know how to kick stuff out. And so if, if, I, if I'm saying God could speak to me, then anything that comes in, I have to, you just recognize this is not God. This is not God and I don't have to believe this anymore. In Jesus' name, leave me. I'm a daughter of God. And the enemy attacked me. And that's a lie, and I'm not going to agree with it anymore. It'll, it will lose its power over time. 
A lot of times we can be, Christians can be very superstitious. And we, especially if it's something bad over us, somehow we think things that are bad are more real than things that are good. And Christians oftentimes believe, can easily believe conspiracies about the country and conspiracies about everything because it's negative and it's prophetic. And it's just really important that we believe the best about people and we recognize God. God's trying to help us, not bury us in hurt and anxiety. And getting, get it, whenever we're under a cloud, that's usually a, hey, this isn't God. Devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. And if that doesn't work, I encourage you to get somebody else to pray with you too. And just stand against it until that thing has lost its power over you and over us. And um, I, just, I just want people to be free. Alice. Oh my, that is so good. Did you hear what she said? Sometimes you need to forgive the person that gave it to you. They were, I always just recognize whoever gives me stuff that they love me and they're well-meaning. And just, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Whatever they gave, whatever it created in me, I don't think they were trying to do something bad. They were trying to do something good and just forgive them and just let go of it. Very good. Isn't she wise? So wise. Jeff. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's the main thing we need to do right away is say, God, what do you think about this? And God, help me sort through this. God, if there's something here that I need, I want the truth. I don't want just words that make me feel good. I want righteousness. And so help me. Help me to take the good, cling to the good, and spit out the rest. And if you've been around this, we need to get good at this. We need to get good at examining. And, and if we've all got our identity and just that we're the beloved, this is, this is a very safe place. People can bring a word in absolute freedom. And they know I'm not judging them or I'm not going to think that they're the next prophet because they brought a word. God might be speaking, and that's exciting. And if he's not, it's no big deal. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's a prophecy or a vision or a dream or a picture, whatever it is, it, it could very well be God. Because sometimes when they're speaking, it's like, I'm God and I'm speaking. Right. Yep. Well, yep. And sometimes it's presentation. <laughs> sometimes people present in such a way that it sounds like a voice is coming directly from the throne of God to you. And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. We just need to be careful. Earl. One of the things I've learned from my youth, and maybe you can 
tell me if I'm correct or not. Sometimes we just don't know, either in a time of prayer, you know, is this me, is it God, is it devil, is it pizza, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and we have the authority that God has given us. For Jesus said, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you bind, what you loose on earth is loose in heaven. So we can, at that time, as I was told, to pray and just say, I bind you, Satan. You're out of this conversation. And, and any distortion is that. Father, speak to me. And in that aspect, we have bound the lie of Satan at that moment as we're seeking God. And is this of him or is this not of him? And we're saying, he can speak to me. And at that point, whatever I get, I examine it again against the word of God, but I also understand I am standing in a position to hear from God. Yep. Because there's the things that can confuse me. You know, if, if someone had gave me a word and it just didn't feel right in my spirit to go and pray in that realm, to allow it to filter out and hear from it. And then if there's a question to ask friends, what do they think? This is, is this of God or not of God? It, it's all about relationship. The reason why God gives a parable rather than just saying exactly what it is, why does he do that? So that you'll seek him. What does God get out of this? Is he impressed with the prophetic? No. What he likes is you seeking him and you guys spending time together. I gave you that little picture and now we have to talk about what that means. And, and then sometimes you've got to talk to a brother or sister and, and put the pieces together and it's about relationship. Wayne. Yep. So there was pieces. I, I got little bits and pieces. Things were told to me, and God spoke to me uh, directly about those pieces. And there were important things that we need to have uh, a safe place so men and women can be in their own groups, and that we need to have worship and teaching on a regular basis. And, 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 and this whole thing, we didn't even know what Celebrate Recovery was until all this vision came together. But then God said it was for City Church, Lake City Church, and Mad City Church. So Irv Bendorf and myself got together with Mitch Milton and Shane Holden, and we had this meeting, and I brought forth this vision and how it involved Lake City Church and Man State Church. And Shane goes, that's really great for you guys. That's not for us. Thanks a lot. Have a nice day. Hope it works well for you. You know, basically locked out of the office. And I was just like, I miss the Lord. Wow, what did I mess up here? You know? And then down the road, years down the road, there was this talk about Lake City Church and Man State Church coming together, and that Wayne, you make such a great point. Oftentimes, there are things that God will speak early in our lives, like he did with Joseph, that are very real, and we think they're going to be fulfilled tomorrow. And we get up the next day, oh, let's do it, and it's actually going to be like 10 years. And God's like, I gave you a little picture, and you just need to put that on the shelf, and I'm going to confirm that, but right now we're going to work on your character. But I want you to know that I've got your address, and I've got great things coming, but we're we're not there yet. And, and to, to just allow that, that process. So if, 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 if you're getting this stuff, and most of it's true, but something seems a little out of kilter, wait and just seek it. Wait. That's good. Put it on the shelf. Unless you're feeling trapped by it and anxious and despairing, then you send it to the trash heap. But if it's just, it's not, you don't know what to do with it, leave it on the shelf 
and God will take it off the shelf at a later time. Jeff. Uh huh. Sometimes God will give you a word for a non-Christian that isn't come to Christ. It's about their destiny. It's about what you see in them. And people are very interested in their destiny. <laughs> and, and it can melt the ice. All right, here's what I want to do. Could we all stand? <clears throat> Could we just open our arms to the Lord? Lord, I just pray for every single person here. Everyone here is absolutely precious to you. First, God, I pray for anything false that has been over us, that has trapped us, that has made us feel anxious, that has made us feel sad, that is, it's just like, it was just like a word from the wrong spirit. God, I just, we just, right now, we untie those words. We forgive the people that gave them. We receive your cleansing over our lives, and over our hearts. Father, second, we want to pray. um, Stir us up to prophesy God. Stir us up for the nowness of God. Stir us up for divine activity in our life. For us, for the people around us. Lord, we want to be carriers of the very nowness of God. Lord, we are earnestly asking you, For spiritual gifts. We are earnestly asking you, God, to reveal yourself to us in greater dimensions to us and through us. And then, God, we are asking you to help us to hit the nail and not the thumb. We are asking you to help us to be careful. Help us to be careful of how we say things. Help us to be careful of giving into what might actually be an accusation from darkness and, and, and create suspicion and wrong things. Help us to examine and not feel like we've got to say everything that comes into our mind and every experience we have. And Lord, give us a community of people that we can talk about things with and sort things out and get rid of that and grab a hold of that and cling to that which is good, that which is God. Father, I especially pray for anybody here tonight that has just been stuck, maybe because of shame. Lord, would you right now just eat away that snake of shame around their ankles? Hook up their heart to your jumper cables, Lord, and just touch them right now. Kiss them with your presence and get that thing going again. Lord, you love us. You are for us. 
and we are your treasures, granted, oftentimes buried. Lord, get the dirt out of our lives so that the treasure can be revealed for all the world to see. God, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, team, have a great night. I will be up here if you've got more questions.